This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 55th edition of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. I'm joined by UW Husky legend, former NFL player, and current uh, football commentator and YMCA director, Greg Lewis. Uh, before I go further here with you, Greg, I want to give a little... Uh, Go over a few housekeeping things uh, here at Rainier Avenue Radio. I want to recognize my engineer today, Chad Anderson. For the first day, I have first time of Chad as an engineer. He is the host of the Northwest Rap Gang Show with Alex Medina on RainierAvenueRadio.world. Our sports department has a lot of good stuff going on. We have shows hosted by Rick Dupree, one-on-one with Dupe, Granville Emerson, Renault Laurent host a show, Lidline Sports, Masvita Marari hosts a show, Seattle Sports Weekly. Pat McCarthy and Mazvita host a show on the Seattle Metro Sports Conference. Uh, Mark Bryant hosts a fitness-based show. Juan Cotto and Mike Cobrezi also host a new sports show. So a lot of stuff going on in our sports department. And uh, we have a lot of other things, good things going at Rainier Avenue Radio, dot world. Uh, my show, Sports and Stuff, you can listen to my shows on my law firm website, pluslawoffices.com. A lot are also on uh, on Mixcloud. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. Well, it's great to have you back again, Greg. Um, you were my third guest back in about, I think, July or August of 2017. All right. And I'm not going to give you as long an introduction as I did last time. Okay. Twice I've given you longer introductions. Not necessary. Not necessary. Yeah, I gave you a long one. At, it's just uh, Greg. The people around here it, know me. I grew up on Rainier Avenue, so this is home. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll still give a little introduction. You know, Greg Lewis had an outstanding career at University of Washington, uh, one-time Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, uh, several years in NFL. And I mentioned earlier he... He's a Husky broadcaster and does uh, is now director of the YMCA, Meredith Matthews YMCA in, in uh, Seattle. And uh, you were also the keynote speaker at a Rainier Avenue Radio event back last year. So, <laughs> so uh, father, husband, grandfather. And uh, Greg just hit the big mid-century mark, and it was uh, fun to be at your birthday party. So going to get into some stuff today on football, of course. And right. uh, thanks for coming back on Sports and Stuff, Greg. No, I appreciate the opportunity to come and uh... – we always have a good time, and you bring up some really good topics and things like that that kind of make you think a little bit. So uh, I'm happy to be here and happy to share my opinions and thoughts on these things. Well, likewise, Greg, you make me and the listeners think as well. And, mm-hmm. and by the way, whether this is going to be your best interview ever, have you ever had an interviewer bring a birthday gift for you before? <laughs> this will probably be the first time, yeah, so thank you. I appreciate There's it. Thanks absolutely. for coming to my 50th birthday party. Yeah, I'm half a 100. Uh, you know, it, doesn't, it seems like just yesterday I was running around down there at Rainer Playfield playing uh, peewee football, so uh, time flies. Oh, well, it was fun to be there. I, and I, I, as I told you, I, I wanted to delay and bring you your, your gift because I did not want to leave it at that large venue and make it lost, so it worked out. Well, Greg, I understand. I think you have a new broadcasting position going on. Tell us what's going on. So I've been doing the Husky post-game shows, or I'm sorry, pre-game shows, uh, for the last five or six years. I've done a stint of post-game shows on TV back with Bruce King back in the day. Um, but most recently here with Keith Gilbertson uh, and Bill Schwartz doing the pre-game broadcast on Como Radio. And Damon Heward has been doing the color commentary for the Huskies uh, the last, oh, seven or eight years, uh, or at least seven or eight years, maybe longer. And he's decided that he wants to spend more time uh, watching his son's football career. His son's one of the top players in the country at quarterback, maybe the top quarterback for the 2021 class. He's going to be a Husky in two years, and he wants to devote more time to being a dad, following his son's career, because you only get those moments once in life. They don't come back around. And so um, he's going to transition out this year. So this year I'm going to do uh, several of the of the broadcast, the color commentary. And the thought is if I like it and if they like me starting 2020, I'll become the new color uh, commentary voice 
for Husky football on Como Radio. So I'm looking forward to seeing how I do and how fun it is and all that good stuff. And if I do a good enough job, then uh, maybe folks will get stuck with me for a while. Well, I look look forward to hearing you. So, but you'll still this year be doing the pregame, Como? Yeah, this year good. I'll still be doing good. the pregame uh, with Gilby uh, and Bill Schwartz. So you can always catch me on Como Radio three hours prior to kickoff. So if the game's at 1230, we start at 930. Um, so whatever time the game is. Three hours before, you can catch me, you know, spitting some real truth <laughs> about the Huskies and their upcoming opponent. As you know, I had Gilbertson on my show last year, and he's a really mm-hmm. great football mind. Yeah, that guy's brilliant. He uh, he actually is a, a lot of the responsibility for my career taking off at the UW. I have to give the Gilby. We had uh, my first two years there, sort of a stagnant offense. Um, we hadn't sort of transitioned into a offensive powerhouse, and they uh, went and hired Gilby away from Idaho, where he's the head coach. Brought him to UW, made him the offensive line coach, but he had a lot of input and influence on the one-back, quick-passing offense that we created in 1989. Um, and you know, I went from you know being just a guy in in '88 and '89, you know, rushing for over a thousand yards, and in 1990, setting all UW records. So. You know, got to give a shout-out to Gilby and his offensive mind really kind of unleashing me on the college football world. Well, it's also neat that decades later he's a radio colleague of yours now, so it's, it's, it's neat how life works. Yeah, out life goes in circles, you know, what, uh, you know, kind of comes back around. And uh, he and I developed a great relationship as, you know, player and coach, and now we have a really strong friendship um, as, you know, I'm an adult now, but I still consider Gilby a mentor um, and all the things that I've done. And he still kind of helps me, you know, with my football knowledge a little bit. So, uh, you know, shout out again to Coach Gilby. Neat connection. Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with UW Husky legend and Como Husky broadcaster Greg Lewis. So a little news this week. There's a new XFL franchise in mm-hmm. Seattle, the Seattle Dragons. Uh, give me your take, Greg, on the XFL trying to be renewed a second time. And what do you think of Seattle having a franchise? Well, you know, I'm a big football fan, and um, I think the the game of football itself um, has, you know, many different levels from peewee to high school. And, you know, people who play football play primarily for the love of the game. If you don't love the sport of football, somewhere along the way you're going to get out <laughs> because there's too much commitment, there are injuries, there's sacrifice, and, you know, a lot of tough stuff. So anytime there's an opportunity for people to continue to play football, you know, a game they love, grew up playing as a kid. I applaud that. I think it's fantastic. Um, so Seattle's a football crazy city, and yes, the Seahawks have had that on lock for a long time. Before that, us Huskies, we had it on lock. Um, so bringing another team into the equation, I think it's a good thing. There's a lot of football fans in Seattle, so the more football we have around here, I think the better. And as far as the XFL, um, I think the NFL should invest in it a little bit. I think mm-hmm. they should help the XFL be successful because the more football fans we create, it's just going to benefit the NFL in the long run. Anyhow, they're not a threat to, you know, supplanting the NFL and their fandom. You know, the NFL, I think right now is a sports, you know, uh, enterprise on steroids, human growth hormone and everything (laughs) else. As far as I'm concerned, down at the NFL headquarters, they got a money machine down in the basement. They're just printing money. So, the XFL is not a threat. I think it can just help continue to develop a base of fans in each city. Well, our friend Edwin Bailey, we just chat with on our Rainier Avenue Radio green room. Edwin is mm-hmm. a former NFL player and, mm-hmm. and hosts the show here. Edwin is a big fan of the XFL. And he coached yeah. the XFL for a while. Yeah, and it provides so. opportunities for more people to coach. Yeah, you know, guys who can cut their teeth. And you know, let's face it, um, people of color have 
always sort of been on the outside looking in as it relates to equity and coaching and professional sports. So I think the more jobs, the more opportunities, the more opportunities for folks to prove themselves and maybe get a shot in the big time, you know, NFL and NBAs and all that sort of stuff when they have more opportunities with other leagues. So I think it's a great, great opportunity and a great idea. And I'll be a fan and, you know, definitely go and visit and see some games. We'll see how Jim Zorn does as a GM and, and coach. Former yeah, Seahawks. I saw him this week. You know, they had the uh, Rumble at the Ridge, the golf tournament associated with the Boeing Classic that the Seahawks put on for charity and raising money for Virginia, for Virginia Mason. And I saw Edwin Bailey out there, but Jim Zorn, Steve Largent, Dave Craig. You know, Dave Craig and Jim Zorn, now that they're old, they look a lot alike. And I almost <laughs> called Dave Craig Jim Zorn. So, um, but no, I, 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 I hope those guys have a lot of success. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'll probably check out a game or two as well. Mm-hmm. All right, so, you know, I'm not going to repeat everything we talked about in the interview two years ago. I don't, I, I like to try to do things a little new, Greg, but we did talk about the Kaepernick dispute a couple years mm-hmm. ago. And mm-hmm. since then, there was a confidential settlement that the league reached with Kaepernick. Any mm-hmm. any new thoughts on the confidential settlement? Any, anything you want to add? Well, typically when there's a settlement, and you know as a lawyer, <clears throat> both sides agree to not talk about it and say a lot um, because, you know, they don't want to have the the impression that it was just about the money. And, you know, so they keep a lot of those things quiet. Um, What I do think Kaepernick did, though, was bring a lot of attention to an issue that is real in our society. Um, Has it been solved? Absolutely not. But it brought a lot of attention to it and a lot of conversation. And I think a lot of people got involved in the fight. I think now um, it's squarely um, on the uh, the front lines and the folks who are responsible for making things happen and making things change can't hide from it. They can't say they, well, we don't wasn't aware that this is a problem, that kind of thing. So uh, from that standpoint, I think he brought a lot of attention to it. You know, maybe for him it was time to step out of the fight and let somebody else take the reins. You know, sometimes the person who started is not the person who finishes it. Um, I applaud him, though, because he definitely fell on the sword. Um, It cost him his NFL career. He may have gotten a settlement or whatever, but I think for football players like myself, a lot of times it's not just about the money. It's about playing the game. So Kaepernick was a martyr, and, you know, he fell on the sword. So I think at this point there's time for an opportunity for others to pick up that, you know, the pick up the fight now at this point because, again, things have not changed. And, you know, although there's attention to it, there's conversation about it, there are things happening, there's still a long way to go. No doubt about it. And, you know, technically speaking, Greg, just a little thought. Feel free to respond. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's definitely a social justice angle to mm-hmm. Kaepernick's protests. But sure. ultimately, he had an employment dispute with the university with, – I'm sorry, with the NFL. Mm-hmm. And most of those disputes tend to result in, in as you mentioned, yeah. equal settlements. You know, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Greg – Larry Scott, Pac-12 commissioner, (laughs) and the league continues to return the smallest percentage of revenue back to its members among all the Power Five conferences. Larry Scott, I think, has a $4.8 million salary, which is more Mm -hmm. the entire staff of the SEC at Mm -hmm. $3.7 Is Larry Scott the guy to stay as the Pac-12 commissioner? I'm going to tell you this. Yeah. At my job right now, if I was the highest paid YMCA executive and – I was producing the lowest amount of money in the association of Y of Greater Seattle. I would not have a job. I would absolutely not have a job. Larry Scott's um, productivity or lack thereof speaks for itself. 
Uh, I'm not here to evaluate his job on a daily basis and nor am I in a position of power to say what shit, what, what's going to happen to him. But any job that I know of, if you are the highest paid and you're the lowest producer, there's going to be some consequences to that. And the PAC 12 continues to, in my opinion, slide further behind a lot of the other conferences, um, in prestige and bowl, you know, games that we're in, in revenue from television. I mean, you look at a, a conference like the SE, the, the ACC, the ACC has one football team right now, Clemson. That's it. Florida state's not very good. Miami's, you know, not very good. And Boston College, what? <laughs> I mean, most of those teams, they're, they're basketball conference. But right now, the, S, the, the ACC has more prestige than the Pac-12. It absolutely does. People think about it in that way um, just because we haven't had an opportunity to be on television like a lot of the other people um, outside of the Pac-12 network or late at night. We haven't been involved in the, um, in the uh, final uh, final four uh, playoff in the last few years. So I think there's something that needs to be done. There's a change that needs to be made. You uh, articulate a few concerns uh, about, about maintaining Mr. Scott as the Pac-12 mm-hmm. commissioner. This is yeah. uh, Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with UW Husky legend and broadcaster Greg Lewis. So one, one thing that, that came up that's been coming up this year, and apparently the Pac-12 is going to delay this until possibly 2020, <laughs> is the idea of playing 9 a.m. games. What's your right. take on that as a former player, Greg, and broadcaster? 9 a.m. games? That's crazy, first of all. So it, I think sometimes, you know, you're trying to solve one problem and you create another. So you want to get our games on television on the East Coast in a better time slot. But what you do is you create a ridiculous um, you know, scenario for your teams. If if kids got to play at 930, they got to get up at about six in the morning. And I'm sorry, the way our bodies work when we go throughout the day and do all the things, it's hard to go to bed at, you know, eight o'clock at night <laughs> in order to get enough rest so that you can play. And you got to have, you know, playing football is a dangerous thing. So you want to be at your peak performance times and abilities. And also, um, now you put your fans at a burden. What about the fans who got to come in from out of town? You know, they're driving from Moses Lake or driving from southern Washington or up in Bellingham. Now they're on the road super early in the morning. You know, it's just kind of a dumb thing to me, you know, to to, to propose having football games at 9.30 in the morning. It just, nine in the morning. Or nine in the morning. <laughs> your, your fans are not going to be there. They're going to be arriving late. It's going to put an undue burden on them. And I get it. The same thing for 9 p.m. games or 8 p.m. or whatever ungodly late hour we've been playing football games here recently. But, again, I think a lot of that is you don't have leaders right now that are um, – making things work for this conference they're uh, they're they're reacting and they're allowing other conferences to sort of you know be the the leaders and we're kind of tailing behind it isn't part of the i mean i agree with you i, I as a fan i don't want a nine o'clock in the morning start i'm not a morning person either but but isn't part of the rationale just to play devil's advocate thinking that maybe pack 12 football get more east coast exposure isn't that part of the rationale yeah but if we play at 12 o'clock we'll get plenty of east coast exposure that's True. a three o'clock game if we play at 12 we play at one you know we have to stop allowing the other conferences to say well we're taking all of these slots 
and you guys take the scraps and you figure it out and fill in. You know, we ought to have some sort of um, leadership in place that allows the Pac-12 to, you know, rub shoulder to shoulder with the big boys and go toe to toe with them. And if we go toe to toe with them uh, and, and we're able to win based on our conference, having that, you know, that, that a power behind them, then, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, playing at nine o'clock in the morning at eight o'clock at night are not ideal. There's a couple of games, you know, anytime Arizona plays at home, Arizona state plays at home. It's just started about seven o'clock. Other than that, all the games should be between 12 and five. My opinion. Well, I think your sentiments are, I think many fans share some. I mean, I'll be blunt. I'd rather have games start at 9 o'clock at night, 9 in the morning, personally, mm-hmm. if I had a choice. Yeah. One or the other. But, but yeah. All right, Greg. So I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. We, we hear a lot about how bad the Pac-12 football conference is right now. Mm-hmm. But um, Washington, Oregon, Utah are in the top 15 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have Wazoo and Stanford are in the top 25. Yeah. Here's another little factoid. You'll find this one kind of interesting. Maybe some of my listeners will, too. Excluding bowl games, UW has won 32 of 38 games the last three years. UW joins only Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. is the only power five schools to win three, to win at least 10 games each of the last three years. I'm excluding mm-hmm. bowl games. Mm-hmm. Is there a case to be made that maybe the Pac-12 isn't as bad after all as a football conference? I, I've never agreed with that, that the Pac-10 is bad in football. I just think we're... Um, because of our lack of time on television, the lack of good bowl alliances, um, and and our conference not being um, bold and brash enough to go up against the other conferences for TV slots and all of that, we have a misperception that we're down. And I think a lot of that rhetoric is the fact that USC is down. So the country looks at, oh, USC's down. There's no good football at West Coast. I shared earlier that ACC has one football team, one. If the Huskies were in the Pac-12 in the ACC, you flopped them with Clemson. We only have to play one tough game a year. Clemson would have to play in the Pac-12, and they'd have to play Oregon and Stanford. In the Pac-12, you you go on the road in the Pac-12, and it's a fifty-fifty crapshoot whether or not you're going to win. It doesn't matter who the opponent is because the 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 parity in our conference is so tight and so close. So you got to come to play every week. Clemson picks one tough out of state, you know, non-conference game, maybe. And then they have one, you know, tough conference game, maybe. And that's it. And the rest of the season is a cakewalk. So you don't agree, Greg, with the premise that Pac-12 is much worse as a conference Absolutely than the other not. four power conferences? I, you know, the SEC uh, arguably is the best conference right now. And then maybe the big, uh, what is the... The big is it the Big Ten with 14 teams, I guess? <laughs> and it gets confusing. I, yeah, I think the Pac... It, it, at, at worst, we're the third best conference on a game-in, game-out basis, but I think there's a case to be made that we're just as tough as the Big Ten. No other conference has the depth, has the number of teams that are quality teams, and has the uh, toughness to go into a road venue and come out with a victory than the Pac-12. So, you know, all that's just rhetoric. You know, USC being down, I get it. A lot of people base West Coast football and how USC is doing, but the University of Washington has – uh, as an institution, going back in history, the second best winning record of all teams west of the Mississippi. Uh, you know, I mean, on the That's west, great west side. So um, I think there's a lot of good football out here. And um, this year, I think there'll be a lot of Pac-12 teams that end up with eight or more wins, more than other conferences. Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports and Stuff. You're just tuning in. I got Chad Anderson today as my engineer. I got the great Greg Lewis on, Husky legend. 
All right, Greg. So it looks like Jacob Eason is going to be the likely starting quarterback over Jake Hayner. Mm -hmm. And what do you think about the idea of having more of a rotational or platoon situation where both these guys can get somewhat equal playing time? Absolutely not. You don't rotate your quarterback. Rotating quarterbacks, um, to me, means you don't have one that's good enough to take the reins and get the job done. You never want to be in a situation where you have two quarterbacks. I actually, in the NFL, my second year in the NFL, John O.A. went down with an injury. And for six weeks, we had two backup quarterbacks rotating. Sean Moore out of the University of Virginia and Tommy Maddox out of UCLA. And we went 0-6 during that stretch of games when John O.A. was out. Um, quarterbacks have to have a feel for the game. They have to know what's going on. They have to be able to see what's happening in the secondary. And you don't get that when you're going in, coming out, going in, coming out. Um, you get a, a feel for um, what the, the the defense is trying to do to you throughout the game. So you can come up with ways to overcome that. Um, I don't think there's any scenario, really, unless you have a running offense where the quarterback's doing a lot of running, and you know you're you're you have something of that nature where you're going to be successful. So at the college or pro level, Greg, so you have if a team has two very quality quarterbacks, there's some great backup quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You think the backup should still sit most of the time? Absolutely. I mean, it's just not a position where guys can be coming in and out and really um, get the flow of the game. And your quarterback's your leader. You know, um, most. I, I mean, let's look at it like a major corporation. You don't have a C, one CEO and then he switches out with the other CEO. You know, you're going back and forth. You know, at my branch, I'm the executive director every day. <laughs> There's no other executive director. You CEO and a CFO, in. though. I'm playing devil's yeah. advocate. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, I, I think when you're the leader, the leader has to be that consistent voice that everybody hears, that makes everybody comfortable, that people know they can follow, they know this guy's going to get the job done, and they're ready to go to war with him. It's hard when it's somebody going back and forth. And again, just the flow of the game and knowing what the defense is trying to do and having a, a feel for all of that, I think it's very important that your quarterback is the guy and you have one that's going to help you win. And then if he gets hurt, then you at least have confidence in that this other guy can step in and fill in for him. Well, you know the game well, Greg, and those are those are uh, interesting insights. Now, Chris Peterson didn't completely rule it out having mm-hmm. somewhat of a rotational system, but but uh, you think it's going to be Easton as a starter, yeah. permanent starter. So, much. Eastern Washington is the first game, right? <clears throat> maybe they'll rotate quarterbacks in Eastern Washington because maybe he doesn't feel like throughout training camp he's had enough time to see or got a great feel of how they're going to compete in the game. So you could see something like that in a first game of the season when you're playing an opponent that you should beat. At some point, though, after a game or two, you're going to have to settle on the guy. You might be able to get away with that early in the season as teams, you know, but what you want to see is who's the guy who's, you know, the leader and the guy the team's going to follow. And so if you see some rotation early and, you know, in the Eastern Washington game, believe me, that won't last. And if it does, we're not going to have a good season. <laughs> well, I got about maybe three minutes left with Greg Lewis, Paul Schneiderman, Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. And I want to try to get a couple more questions in here. I'm, I hope you come mm-hmm. back for a third time. Too, sure, so. anytime. Um, okay, here's let me give you this possible scenario of the Husky 2019 season. Maybe 10-2 regular season. They win the conference championship again. Maybe not a, a playoff team. Another Rose Bowl season? Do you see that as a likely scenario? That's That's been a lot of the projections. Either us or Oregon or Utah coming out of the Pac-10. 
going to the Rose Bowl, playing against possibly an Ohio State again is sort of the scenarios that I've seen laid out there. Um, you know, I, I, it's almost impossible, and it's not impossible, but it feels impossible to go through the entire Pac-12 season undefeated. So, you know, if you had, you know, the homer in me is going to say 11-1. and one. Right, but ten and two definitely isn't out of the question. Sounds pretty accurate. So or likely. We'll, I, I think our non-conference schedule this year is easy enough to get unscathed through there. Um, so you know, Stanford on the road is going to be tough. Um, we got Oregon at home. We got Washington State at home. We got USC at home. So fortunately, our toughest games at home. But we haven't been that successful down in Arizona for the last fifteen years or right. so. So you never know if you can stub your toe down there again. But uh, eleven and one, ten and two, I think is you know the best case. That's probably what we're going to see within the range. Yeah. yeah. So Greg, I, I heard you on Softy's KGR show recently. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a fun interview, and you spoke pretty highly of this of this running back for the Huskies, Salvin Ahmed. Do, do yeah. you see him as a guy going down as a top Husky back in the future? Yeah, Salvin Ahmed is super fast. He can get to the corner, and once he hits the corner, he can take it to the house. The guy is just blazing fast. So. Um, the, the the thing for him is to be that physical inside runner as well. You know, you can't always just hit the corner and go. Sometimes you got to go up the middle, break a tackle, and then get into the secondary. Uh, so for Salvan, I think the key for him is, is he going to be a physical runner this year? But he has the skill set. He was highly recruited, uh, and the kid does. He's made some huge plays in his career up until this point, so I don't see any reason why he can't take that next step and be a big-time guy. Well, I think it's a real compliment to the young man that, mm-hmm. that I'm talking to a Husky running back legend mm-hmm. who's pretty high on Salvan. Yeah. So I, I think it's neat that I think that's a compliment to him that, you're, that you think really high of him. Well, Greg, we got maybe a minute left. Um, Justin Herbert of Oregon's mentioned as a Heisman candidate. Any other Pac-12 players look out for this year? Uh, I'm not a big Herbert fan, first of all. Um, He's a good player, good talent, uh, but he hasn't lived up to the hype. Um, So I don't know. You know, I haven't looked at the whole conference yet this year. This is the week I'm starting to do that uh, to get prepared for the season. But, uh, you know, Pac-12 always has some great players. uh, But Tua Viola and guys like that probably are in the, the driver's seat for the Heisman Trophy. Are you pretty high on Jacob Eason? I like Jacob. He's a super talented kid. If he can put it all together and get in the flow with this offense and the receivers can make some plays for him, I think he's going to have time because the offense line is real good. So he's got a chance to be real good this year. And you're feeling good about the 2019 Husky football season? I'm always feeling good about the Husky football <laughs> season. Chris Peterson's done a good enough job. They recruit well. They prepare him well. Um, I don't see any reason why the dogs can't have a great season. Well, Greg, it's always fun to chat with you, and it's great to have you back on Sports and Stuff. We're about to wrap this up. Of course, I had so many more questions, but this 27-minute okay. timeline, we, 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 we roll with what we have. In, we'll in get to him next time. Get to him next time. Well, Greg, thanks for coming back on Sports and Stuff on Radio right, Radio. Cool. Thanks for having me. You too. Thanks.